Hello friends, before we get started on this next amazing episode, I just wanted to give a short shout out to our team at Metal Cloak, the group that makes this podcast possible. From engineering to production, from marketing to sales, from accounting to HR, every member of the Metal Cloak family works diligently every day to bring some of the world's best products to the off-road enthusiast. Designed, engineered, proven, Metal Cloak. That is not just a clever cadence written by me, but a true statement of what we do every day and why we truly appreciate each and every one of you. If you are looking for something for your Jeep, Ram, Bronco, or Toyota, give us a try. We are here to help. And now, on to another amazing episode of the Modern Jeeper Show. We talk all the time, Corey, about how I'm sitting here at my desk doing nothing. You guys are out of growing cross country. Sierra Trek's my own backyard, and sometimes I don't make it. I mean, it's sad. It is sad. I'm like, I'm like, how much of a modern jeeper am I? I'm like, I'm like, you know, I'm a modern sleeper, not a modern jeeper. Ugh, I gotta, I'm gonna lose. I'm gonna lose my moniker. You've got, you've got other seats in that gladiator. Strap them in and, and head out. The Modern Jeeper Show, the show about jeeps, jeeping and jeepers hello modern jeepers matt's from medical care welcome to episode number 170 of the modern jeeper show the show about jeeps and jeeping and jeepers Corey and jesse are back at the modern jeeper compound with jesse's brand new toy and boy is she excited we start the show with some breaking rumors about trans-american polaris this is hot stuff. Then we are joined by modern jeeper, ultra four racer, and all around great guy, John Allen, the current chair of the 55th annual Sierra Trek. If you are not familiar with Sierra Trek or the Fordyce Trail, you are not going to want to miss this interview. Beware, it is going to make you modify your bucket list. And remember, if you wonder what the F are these guys doing, you can catch our video at youtube.com slash modern jeeper. By the way, if you like this episode, please share it with your friends and give us a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. As always, we're extremely grateful to our supporters and friends, including Warren Winches, Race on Wheels, Best Top, Milestar Tires, Rugged Radios, Adventure Rack Systems, and of course, Metal Cloak. So sit back, relax with the cold one, and enjoy episode number 170 of the Modern Jeeper Show. Well, hey, Modern Jeepers, this is another episode of the Modern Jeeper Show with me, Matson from Metal Cloak, and Mr. Modern Jeeper, Corey Osborne. Hey, buddy. Hey, hey, Rockstar Jeep Girl, Jesse. Hey. You have a big smile on your face. I do. And why is that? Do tell. I got a big, bright, yellow, brand new Jeep. It has 34 miles on it now, <laughs> sitting in my driveway. Now, how bright is this? You guys were talking about, like, really, like, like how? It is definitely high lighter yellow, no joke. Yeah. I, so does it have, like, a, more of a green tint to it? Yes, it's like, there's it, an it does. tone of green. It does, huh? Yes. So it's a it's yellow funny. towards a green, not the red, yeah. Well, it's weird parking it next to um, her JK, and then I even went. I had a I had a, a one of the fenders off of the LJ sitting on the side of the garage, and I brought it around. And to me, I it, and of course that was solar yellow in '04 is what that fender came off of. I put it next to her Jeep, and to me, it's really close. And she says, "No, it's, it's orangey. not. It's too orangey." <laughs> but next to her JK, it does look greener. I guess um, it's 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 really bright. I, it, when the when the sun goes down, I'm worried that we're not going to need like a, a light outside. <laughs> Just don't have any lights reflecting off of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, the, you know, the yellow spectrum goes to the green or to the orange, right? And yep. I prefer the yellow towards the orange. I love yellow, but I love towards the orange because orange is my favorite color, right? But yeah, you mm-hmm. get that towards that green side and you start getting that. that that's interesting. And, mm-hmm. and the photos just really don't do it justice. So I can't wait to see it no. in person. And everybody says, you know, oh, it's it's green, it's green, it's green. And and to me, in the pictures, it looks definitely greener. But to see it in person and see it in the sun, it's it's yellow. I mean, it is yellow. Jeep. It's it's called high velocity yellow. Now, now wait um, a second. Wait, 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 wait. To you, I thought you were colorblind. To me. How, yeah. how do you, That's why I say how, to me. To you, to to you, from what you understand is green. <laughs> right. How colorblind? From what I've been told. How, how colorblind are you? I mean, are, what colors can you see and you can't see? So I'm, as I recall, what they told me when I was little was that it's, I'm 95% red, green color deficient, which is like, if you put a, like a rose bush with red roses on it Mm -hmm. in green bushes, 
there ain't no flower there at all. I can't see the red rose. Um, oh, you can't see the flower at all. Like it actually uh, blacks it out. It's not just gray or something. No, it's just, it's all the same. So like if you were to, they like those little dot tests they used to do where yeah, there'd be a yeah. whole bunch of dots and like all the dots are white and then there's a big black number in the middle. Like right. yeah, that I get. But if they're red and green or shades of blue or it's it's funny, blue and purple is very similar colors to me. Yeah. Um, so I have yeah. to correct him all the time. Yeah. Like, oh, did you see that blue thing? And I'm like, blue? That's why I wear gray and black all the time. <laughs> well, and so how, so how does yellow come across for you? Green. For him, it does. Well, I'm just curious. Because anytime yellow there's your, a bit, well, anytime there's a gecko green, like one of those creamy colors coming towards us, he's like, oh, that's yellow. I'm like, mm. Yeah, like a gecko green Jeep will look a little yellow, but everything goes to yellow. And that's why... All of my Jeeps have been yellow because I can see the yellow, the brightness of it. But to me, it's just very bright. Well, and that's what I was wondering because like yellow is one of your colors. So yeah, it's like, what is it about this color yellow that you like that has made it like your color, right? Like that you really, that, that has attracted you to it. Yeah. I don't know. That's very interesting. Um, okay. So like, yeah, cause yellow is your favorite color yeah. and, and how do you just, how did, how, I'm just curious how that attracted you, like a color you don't even know that's the right color. I mean, I think it's just because of the, it's bright, really. I don't think that it, it, it and it, well, you know, it, when I, I remember when we first bought Spike uh, in 2002, um, that Jeep was one of the very few available. And I, it wasn't that I even liked yellow as my favorite color then. It was just really bright. And it was one of the few um, TJs that they had sitting on the lot. Uh, and I remember having a conversation a couple years later, well, it was a, quite a few years later after that, with uh, Rick Payway, who, you know, he kind of did the whole bright colors photograph better. So for magazines, advertising, all of that kind of stuff, he was like, yeah, you know, we, we like the brighter colors just because they, they photograph better. And I don't know, there's just something about it in the back of my mind. It's, it's uh, I mean, if I look across here, I've got like four... Uh, duffel bags that are yellow. I don't know. Maybe it's just easier for me to find things. I don't I know. So. <laughs> That's what it is. You feel better. You can see it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so breaking news. I think we should talk about this real quick before we get to our guest. This is, it's kind of interesting. You, you know, we, we hear a lot of stuff, insider knowledge, and we've always said that like, you know, industry insight, uh, we're looking at different things and trying to, but most of the time we can't share it because it's friends that have shared information with us. Right. But when there is a rumor, and that rumor has nothing to do with any friends and nothing to do with any. It's okay for us to talk about these rumors. That's so right. At, at, um, at Easter Jeep Safari, we had learned that there was a rumor that Polaris wanted to dump Transamerica. At that, actually, all I heard was Polaris wanted to dump foil parts. And I didn't know if it was the full trans. I didn't know if it was going to be all the brands or, or what it was. All we knew was that Polaris was looking to dump it. And then there were some discussions and back and forth. Well, today, the rumor is, as of like the last 24 hours, that Wheel Pros, the company who, if you guys might all remember, recently bought Terraflex. We just talked about Clear Lake and, and buying Terraflex. And so this is that yeah. same company. It's that same company has now bought or is now in negotiation and supposed to be finishing. Official people have not commented on it. Transamerica, which means they, they're buying all the four-wheel parts stores, which is about 100 stores. They're buying the Transamerica Distribution Network. They're buying Rubicon Express, All Poison Spider, uh, G2 Axles. Um, is it? I think they have Tough Country over there. And um, and then they have, uh, what's what's our main in-house brand? Uh, isn't it? Uh, um, not, um, I, don't just, I just went blank on it. Yeah. Um, Are you talking um, about wheels? No, uh, the four-wheel parts brands of their Smittybilt. Yes. Yeah, oh, Smitty, I didn't even think of Smitty Smitty Belt, Belt. Smitty Belt. And then they have another, uh, there's another in-house uh, suspension brand um, yeah. that, that is over there. But, you know, the reality is, so think about this. One, they're going to own, they already own something like, and I think if you look at, uh, at, at uh, four-wheel parts, them, or excuse me, at the wheel pros themselves. Is it Procomp? Yeah, it's Procomp. Procomp is what I was thinking of. American Force, American Racing, Asante, Black Rhino, mm -hmm. uh, Dub, Foose. Yeah, wheel, wheel Pros Fuel. is enormous. Yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, just some of the brands that they own as the Wheel Force, not to mention all the other brands that they're now picking up. Then you go to Clear Lake, and it was we were looking at this earlier. A lot of brands I have no idea about, like 
Ashley Stirrup, okay, Bamboo Hill, uh, Compudine. They have uh, Constant Contact, which is the big email system I used to use mm -hmm. that I was yeah. paying 400 some odd dollars a month for that I now don't what? use because I use SendFox. So, yo, well, I had 80,000 emails. I had 80,000 emails in our system over Constant Contact and paying $400 a month for that purpose. I now use SendFox, which you get through AppSumo, lifetime deal for $49 and never pay another penny, except yeah. for when I add more thousands of emails into it. And so it's like, yeah, why do that? Discovery Education, I mean, Jacuzzi brand, they're huge. This is a massive well, company. We, I mean, if you think about this, and at one time, I remember when, remember when, uh, when, when uh, uh, trans, when, when when Polaris was acquiring this, Polaris is an enormously large company as well, like mm -hmm. one of the, the largest employers on the planet. So now you have a company buying out trans, which is just as, I mean, it's huge. This company becomes just this massive conglomerate. Yeah, I mean, Wheel, Pro, Real, Wheel Pros, why am I having a hard time saying I think that was a drink or something. Wheel Pros Wheel, is going to have Wheel a... <laughs> It's going to have a massive, massive influence on this industry. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I kind of have a problem with that. Yeah, like we were talking a, earlier. A monopoly. Yep. I have kind of have a problem with one company owning five yeah. uh, major suspension companies, right? Yeah. One company owning that much in this industry, and this industry isn't that big. That's what the right. craziness of it, right? This is still a niche market. Yep. Now they'll probably do what they do, which I'm presuming they're going to put money infusion into it and expand out. But then sure. if, if you're Terraflex and you're owned by wheel and all of a sudden Rubicon Express brand is in there, how do you feel if you're Terraflex? Like now you have Rubicon Express. It's kind of like how ProComp front, uh, felt because they were the brand. Rubicon Express came in and ProComp went like this. Rubicon Express went like that, right? Right. Um, and now you're at least that's why I think ProComp was excited that they bought tough country. Um, I think it was tough. Country. Is it tough country or is it not, or is it um, rough country? Not rough country. It was the other, one of the other T's that was, that was part of the Real performance Real? group. Um, mm, I think it's tough country. Was it tough country? It might've been tough country, but, but they bought, um, I'm looking it up now. So we can just make sure we don't sound <laughs> like idiots, right? Here it is. Tap brands. So let's see who all the tap brands are. There's a lot of tap brands. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of tap brands. And you figure you got four parts, four uh, WD, G2, Dealer Services International, for performance for trucks, Pro Comp, Rubicon, Smitty Built. It doesn't even say there. I know that they had another. Not it seeing was, it. It was probably a brand underneath somebody else. So it was. It was under. It was under performance brands. Yeah. Um, it was. An, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I'm not seeing it, but that doesn't matter. The the Somebody else will correct us in our, in our community. Yeah, the, somebody um, will probably know. Yeah, I'm sure they will. So the, but that's the whole, you know, the whole idea that they're, that this company now owns. So I, I, I kind of have a problem about that. And it's not so much, and I'm not saying it from the standpoint of, well, there's competition because competition is good and we love competition. Everybody knows that Metal Cloak doesn't back, back off from competition, but from the standpoint of consumer, you know, it's, this is the kind of thing that is probably going to go under the radar because nobody really cares. It's not a, you, nobody's out there going, oh, ooh, what's happening in the off-road market? Um, but you almost kind of want to say, hey, maybe we should do a little campaign out there to say, you know, they should break up some of that. They shouldn't, uh, they shouldn't have that much power. Mm -hmm. Just saying, you know, the grassroots campaign, it's a few letters to congressmen. You know, you can't send any checks to congressmen, but you can send a few letters. <laughs> so, I don't know. Yeah, do all these brands now compete with one another for for market share, and and how does that work? And um, yeah, it's yeah. gonna be it's gonna be interesting. Of course, we're yeah. you know we we spent three hours today at our local Jeep dealership and and talking about um, supply chain issues and how even their markets have changed and how a dealership uh, gets Jeeps and how some of the larger dealerships move Jeeps. In, they end up with Jeeps because they're allocated Jeeps. And, you know, in a, in a smaller town like where we live, um, things have changed in the last two years since COVID. And when even the companies that they deal with, the tour companies around here where they were dealing with six and seven Jeeps a year, new inventory would go to these, these, um, these uh, adventure companies, if mm -hmm. you will. They'd lease them for a year and then they got that inventory back in. Well, now 
these tour companies are able to buy at a fairly good markdown price. And then they ended up selling them outright because they were making more money than selling them back to the dealerships. Now the dealerships are struggling for those vehicles, mm -hmm. which, which everybody has seen all across the country. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I, I, I mean, this kind of creates that whole, just like what Bronco's trying to do, they want a piece of the market share of what Jeep's got. So all of these brands now having to compete with each other, and yet everybody kind of is given this, hey, we have deep pockets, you know, go all in for your new development and new products. Well, if you tell seven or five suspension companies to do better, and everybody has an open checkbook, like, I, I don't know what that, that creates a really weird uh, dynamic. It does. And you figure for a company that has that many wheel brands, they must know how to do that because you have right? former competitors now all under the same umbrella, but competition is good. So maybe there's incentives within their own groups to say, all right, you're, you're, you're a brand, but you have to compete, right? You don't want to yeah. get lax, but mm -hmm. it'd be interested to see. So, yeah. So that's the breaking news guys. Uh, Polaris for whatever reason. Um, and I, I'd be curious to be a fly on the wall and just know what was it that Polaris was bothered by? Because they're a massive company, lots of employees. It wasn't like this was a drain on them, but maybe as a concept, it was just too small. And I, I expected when they when Polaris bought it, I thought they were buying it for the distribution network. My right. my that's what everybody my, thought. Yeah, my premise was they don't care about the brands. In fact, I figured they'd sell off the brands, right? And they would just want the distribution network. They wanted all the stores. Now, if you're a distributor and a dealer who has razors and Polaris razors out there, you you imagine that maybe they were a little pissy about the idea that there's a bunch of four-wheel parts stores where you can go buy a razor. Um, so that never happened. Um, and you never really saw that stuff appear. Like, they never, obviously, you didn't see these stores start to sell a bunch of razor stuff. It didn't seem to me. Um, but and yet they now they're turning around saying, yeah, we, that was a fun experiment. We're done. Right. We're mm -hmm. out. Yeah. We, we're going to take our money and, and we're going to go over here in the corner and, and make more razors. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they did do some expansions. There's a massive, 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 did I say massive, um, warehouse facility in Fernley, Nevada. So, which is, you know, out there in the middle of no place, but it's a, uh, it's huge, huge distribution. So I think they must've done a lot of improvements, to the overall system, but, um, but if you work at a foil parts, the guys we know that still work there, like it's, it hasn't been fun under the, the, the rule of, of Polaris. Yeah. And you remember they went in and like decimated all the leadership at all the brands. They decimated mm -hmm. the leadership um, at, uh, at from everywhere from Smitty built to Rubicon express everywhere. They just went in and got rid of everybody. And then they kind of neglected it. Uh, another day yeah. in the off-road industry. Let's talk about more fun stuff because you guys just got back. We'll talk about this in a second, but we also have our guests with us. Um, but you guys just got back from doing Jeep Arama. We want to talk about that because it kind of goes with our, our guest here who is, we'll bring up here in a second, but um, I got to remember to unmute him, you know, for all of our listeners out there. I got to do this manual operation and sometimes I don't, but John Allen. Hey buddy. How you so, good good so guys john allen is the chair of sierra trek now if you're not familiar with sierra trek we'll talk about it but sierra trek is a local event out here it's been going for umpteenth number of years in fact uh well you're the chair for the 55th and 56th sierra trek is that so you were you were chair last year and this year is which one's this year this year's 55 and next year will be 56 okay 55 years, one of the oldest events out there, right? I mean, you think about some of these events up and down California. How many years has TDS been going now? Like they have their 60th coming, I think. Yeah. Um, 70th for Jeepers Jamboree, 55th for Sierra Trek. I mean, that's pretty incredible um, uh, history of events. Um, and so we wanted John to come on because we wanted to talk about Sierra Trek. A lot of times we talk about guys, events across the area, but Sierra Trek's kind of near and dear to us because it's about Fordyce, the trails out here. And uh, it's honestly, it's one of the most beautiful events I've gone to because it's so quiet and serene and peaceful up there by the lake. So John, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. So, uh, so tell us a little bit about your history and how you ended up in Sierra Trek. So I'm a, uh, I consider myself a second generation Jeep guy. Um, I, my parents were uh, in the, uh, um, Jeepers Jamboree and whatnot in their flat fender back in the um, later 60s. Um, I was in the Rubicon in their CJ5 in the 70s and early 80s, or in the late 70s and early 80s, um, as you know, as a small child. 
we as a family we've always owned jeeps uh as as i um, approached high school went back to the rubicon and fell in love with it bought a jeep and um i was 17 i joined Cower. Uh, i went to the rubicon and i went to sierra trek on in 91 so i think it was their 25th annual um sierra trek and uh, i went to that event and I was absolutely blown away at, at Sierra Trek, the event, the beauty, the, the Fort Ice Trail. It was the first time I was on Fort Ice. Um, the people, the food, the dancing, uh, everybody was, uh, was really nice, uh, helpful. I was just a, a, you know, just a crazy kid. And um, I ended up going every year, basically since then. Kind of a funny story. I... Uh, Took my wife there as a first date. I proposed to her a couple of years later at Sierra Trek, uh, at Windshield One, going up Windshield One at Sierra Trek. So <laughs> wait, 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 why, why, wait, wait? You're proposing to her as you're going up Windshield One. Yes. Now Windshield One for everybody. Those we'll talk about this, but this is Windshield One on Fordyce. Fordyce is probably one of the greatest trails out here. Um, it is one of the most difficult trails in the area, um, and it is a true trail. Like the Rubicon is a county road. Fort Ice is a true trail. Windshield One can be either super gnarly, depending on the year, or relatively easy. But it, and, and relatively, I say relatively because there's five windshields, and yes. it could just be the easier one that you could actually make it up at that year, or it could be. So was this a was this a gnarly year or an easy year? I don't think it's ever been an easy year, but <laughs> <laughs> relatively speaking, yeah, I uh, I kind of had to stop at a certain point let her get over a shock so I could focus on, uh, the, uh, the spot ahead <laughs> up when I, I proposed to her. So, so you're half, so, okay, yeah. so you're, you're halfway up the rock. There's a bit of a rock. Well, you know, there's a big rock hill. You're going up big, massive boulder over to the right, um, yeah. big rock wall. And you got to go up over that. And then you got to start going up the windshield. So at what point did you, how did, how, tell us how this happened. How did you stop and propose to her in the middle of that? I, uh, I had the uh, ring locked in my uh, glove compartment in my Jeep CJ. And I told her I brought an extra rock on the trail. And, to, and I handed her a key to the, to the um, glove compartment. She opened it up and there was a ring in there and she says are you proposing to me and i said yes and i'm still going up when she'll want i never stopped you know and i and i i put the clutch in my jeep and stopped for just an instant she kind of you know is trying to reach you know get to me of course we're strapped in and uh the funny part is is my mom and dad are behind me in, in a cga and my dad looked over at my mom and and said uh what's going on up there and my my, my mom just made the comment of, I think we're getting gaining a daughter-in-law. And my dad said, okay, well, let's move on. We got to get up this hill. There's people behind us. <laughs> <laughs> Priorities. Okay, nice to know. Let's go. <laughs> so, and, uh, and I'm so, still, you know, and you were, again, you're doing, what year was this? This would have been in um, 2001. 2001. <laughs> and you're going up in a, a windshield one in a CJ. Okay, now yes. let's let's understand. Yeah, windshield one is not comfortable, whatever you're doing, but you're doing it in a CJ. It's not like all us guys out there in our JKs, you know, we're all built up rigs and stuff. He's in a CJ, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. Uh, and he's and he and he's decides to propose to his wife. Now, had you planned this whole thing like that was you were gonna propose on windshield one, or is it just like when you thought the moment was right? Kind of thought the moment was right. Yeah, I, I just kind of decided, well, now it's the time we'll do it, you know. Uh, give her an opportunity. Stressful situation. <laughs> <laughs> kind of did fly, I guess you would say. So, and Renee's been with you, been with you ever since. <laughs> ever, since. you know, Fort Ice just has a very deep meaning, you know, in general to us. Um, you know, as a is both a couple and uh, and for me since I've been going to it for you know for so long, it's it's just a beautiful beautiful trail and an awesome event. So. That's great. Wow. What a story. So, um, so you do Fort Ice and, um, and you've been doing that event. How many years, so how many years have you been doing Sarah Trek, Trek? You said this is 30 years for me, 30 31. years, 31. 31. Wow. That's cool. And, and when did you first start getting involved with actual, like, were you always volunteering or would you just kind of started lately or. Well, um, I've always volunteered. I've done other events, um, smaller events. I've uh, done a lot of uh, stuff with uh, 
early on in with FOTR and, and, and then that, you know, kind of turned into uh, RTF. I had done, th- you know, volunteer work there. And then I started uh, volunteering for Sierra Trek in about 2011, 12. Um, I started doing uh, more volunteer work uh, with my club and started working my way, I guess you would say, up through the ranks um, from there. And what's your um, what's your club? The Mad Hatters out of, Mad Hatter. out of yeah, Mad, uh, Mad Hatters are a great reputation around here. Good, yes. good group. Um, I've been the president of that club for uh, for eight years. I've done a lot of adopt trail work on Ford Ice. I've led a lot of work parties. I've been to a lot of work parties and led some. Um, so I'm very active in the Ford Ice community. So that's yeah, again, an amazing trail. Um, it's kind of think it's one that's. That is, and you could correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like it's not one that has the national attention that that Rubicon does. Do people come from across the country to try Fordyce? Not like the Rubicon, but a lot of people will um, will reach out. I know since I've been in the uh, co-chair chair position, I've had a lot of people reach out to me via email and ask about, you know, hey, we're coming from X, Y, and Z state, and we're going to do the Rubicon. You know, can we do Fordyce? And you know, and of course, we have to talk about the water crossings, Rattlesnake Road you know, the dams and, and, and certain things like that. So there is a lot of people that do, um, you know, that do cross over and, and, and come out. Um, this year, with Jeepers Jam being a little bit later, uh, there's been several people reach out to me and say, hey, I'm going to do Jamboree, and I want to come over and, and do Sierra Trek and, and run the Fort Ice Trail. That'd be awesome. I, I'm looking at the list because I was just curious. For whatever reason, Fort Ice is not a badge of honor trail. No. That's crazy. I've never been on it yet, so. Yeah. Oh, that's why it's not <laughs> But it would be awesome. I mean, Fort I should be a bad of badge of honor trail. It should. It should. You know, it's, yes. but it, it is, it's, again, it's not easy though. It's not one you want to mm-hmm. go in there, do it by yourself. And you have to check, you talk about water crossings because the, the water comes through there. Who owns that water that's going through there? Is that uh, PG&E? P- yeah, that, um, PG&E owns the dam there at uh, Fort Ice Lake. Um, so they own the dam. Uh, I've been to several meetings with uh, PG&E over the years about Fort Ice Trail in general. So yeah, they uh, they have total one hundred percent control of the water flow. So that changes uh, when you can and can't run Fort Ice. Yeah, and you have to check. Is it is it Friends of Fort Ice? Is that the website that um, that monitors that, or we can get the information if you're going out? So Friends of Fort Ice monitors it, um, and then uh, Dream Flows uh, has that. Dream Flows. What's Dream Flows? Dream Flows is a. Um, I believe it's a, uh, a river rafting uh, website, oh. and they have the they have the flows on it, and Friends of Florida Ice does as well. Yeah, because as I recall, the 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 water crossings are they're not like what I think of um, a lot of jeepers, especially in in the West. We think of water crossings; it's you know a foot or two of water. Um, Fort Ice has some crossings that you will not make it to the other <laughs> side of the trail. That's <laughs> right. Uh, Yes. Float off. Yeah. Water crossings there are no joke, depending on the time of the year, when you cross, what the power needs for Northern California on. There's several things that that change, you know, the the flow of the water. So, yeah, the the first time, well, I've probably been on Fort Ice the most during Winter Fun Fest. And we always go out there with Scott Arnst is the one who, who, who manages the the trail run for Winter Fun Fest up Fort Ice. And the most we ever get is like over to the, across the first rock water crossing. And that's right. like on a good year, on a good year where there's plenty of traction and you can get around on the bad years, you get stopped at, um, at uh, driveline and Hill, which is you get stopped there and it's nothing but snow and stuck and people trying to get up and down that. Um, but it's still beautiful. And, and I'll tell the story and I've told the story in this podcast before the one time I did try to do the full Fort ice, the first time ever, we call it the 24 hours of Fort ice. And we started out at 6.30 a.m. And I walked in my door at 6.30 a.m. the next day. And there was all kinds of hazards in between that occurred, um, mainly with other people's rigs. Um, and that time I was driving the old YJ. Um, but it was a uh, it was quite a cluster. <laughs> it had to do with uh, there were rock zombies involved and all kinds of fun stuff. But uh, before, if you can do it, if you can put it on your bucket list, it is a great trail to do. And the best time to do it is during Sierra Trek because you have guys 
at every one of the windshields. And Metal Club comes out and sponsors everything we can. We sponsor the windshields. We sponsor the fire pit. We sponsor the bar. We sponsor, we love the, the event. So, but when you have somebody every windshield and you have them all there prepared to help you up, it is an incredible, uh, great time to do it. Yeah, I, I highly suggest doing it. We do, you know, I guess you'd say use the word groom the trail. We do do that. You groomers. Yeah, well, <laughs> the holes that get dug by some of the bigger rigs. Um, mm -hmm. We we work closely with the uh, Forest Service on the trail, and they want a JK two-door on 35s to be able to go through there with a winch, with lockers, front and rear, with a struggle. That's their goal. You know, tire size, you know, there's that's a whole other debate. But uh, we do we do bring people through there like that all the time without damage at Sierra Trek. Um, I don't know that I would suggest doing that on your own, my personal opinion. But we do have people at every winch hill, have it, uh, like the area that we call uh, winch hill 3.5. We man that area. Uh, that's a real rough stuff, real rough spot on the Fort Ice Creek. People, we have a drag crew that comes along that, uh, with any breakdowns, and, and we have an emergency emergency scaper out through rattlesnake road um and we can we can take you out an emergency bypass if we had to or we'll get you into camp one way or the other we get a welding permit in case we have to do some uh, you know trail welding and, and so on so we get you in and we get you out uh we have great great trail communication and uh and so on and we try to get everybody into camp you know to uh eat our amazing food um from fort ice and then we also have, at the same time, uh, we have runs that instead of running the entire Fort Ice Trail, we'll do from staging from camp, we'll go down Windshields 543 to the uh, water crossing there at committee. They'll have a little break. They'll turn around and they'll go up 345. So they'll do those. They That's an option as well on uh, both uh, Friday and Saturday. We have a, a river run there. Actually, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, we have a you know, it's one thing going up all those wind chills. I don't like going down wind chills. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't like something about that lack of control going down. Yeah. It's, it's not that bad, but no, I get it. <laughs> um, you know, Sierra, event, we have, um, you know, an SUV run that, that in more of a historical run. We have a UTV run, and then we have um, the Outer Limits run, which is um, – a, an easier trail for that intermediate off-roader that, that might not, you know, that Fort Ice might be too much for them. Maybe they're a beginner. Maybe they don't have, you know, lockers front and rear. You know, we can take you over to Outer Limits and unless you run that trail on Saturday. And uh, you can experience some medium rock crawling over there with bypasses to kind of get feet. We have a little bit for everybody. Well, that's that's totally cool, and it's it is a lot of stuff, and it's a great family fun event. Uh, the property there has a big lake. Uh, what's the name of that lake? What's the name of the property? So the the property is owned by uh, some a family by the name of Glee, and, and uh, we we lease that space for from them. We have a permanent dance floor there. The lake is um, called Meadow Lake, and it's absolutely beautiful. Um, we just released a YouTube video, and you can see a lot of the lake there. It's absolutely beautiful. And then we set up a little town there. We have, you know, like you just said, you sponsor the fire pit and, and the windshields. And we have um, a bar. We have a snack bar. Uh, we have a little vendor show with different vendors that come out. Uh, we have a, a very large raffle. And uh, we set up an awesome kitchen. And uh, we feed you an awesome breakfast and dinner, depending on which package you purchase how many days you're going to be there. And uh, we even have a club that has a trailer that, that comes up and brings showers to us. Uh, mm -hmm. We have our own well that we, that uh, Cal four drilled years ago. So we have our own water source there. Uh, and then we have the dance floor and we bring in a live band and um, people uh, after the rigs are parked and everything's secured, they can have their favorite uh, adult beverage and uh, dance the night away to a live band. So, yeah, it's, and it's and when he sees good food, it is good food. I mean, it's you know, it's probably one of the reasons why I haven't been there in a while because I just I, I always felt bad I wasn't eating. And, uh, yeah, I wanted more. I wanted seconds. I wanted thirds. <laughs> I, I had to try to become friends with the guys. You know, I think one year, uh, well, Ed Gold and his club. You know, they they're out there and they they're doing the kitchen. That was my favorite 
time I was there because I was able to like stand behind there and say, hey, Ed, give me more food. Hey, Ed, throw me, throw me another. Uh, then I felt okay. Otherwise, it's like, I want more food. I want more food. And the snack bar is cool too. Like the, the little snack bar. So all day there's, you know, there's stuff. They had nachos. I think the, I remember having nachos at the snack bar, or hot dogs. They have hot dogs, hamburgers, uh, nachos, um, you know, a variety of cold drinks, you know, non-alcoholic drinks. And then right next door to that is the bar. Right. And uh, set up a little bank there uh, so you can uh, exchange your real money for Trek money so you can uh, access the bar and whatnot and, and uh, the snack bar. T-shirt sales. Um, and then then we put on – on Saturday, we put on a car show. And- yeah, and you also have the – and, you of course, a big raffle too. Yeah, we have a big raffle on um, on Saturday night. And, and that that's a pretty big raffle every year. I've been involved with Ravel, raffle many times uh, helping that out. Live, live auction, silent auction, and raffle. And what was it? Raffle. How much is raised then for Sierra Trek? We have been breaking – Eighteen to twenty thousand dollars, generally speaking. Hmm. So nice. Now that's and then um, how many and how much is donated? What's the value of the donations? Hundred percent. We donate all of it back. Um, most of the stuff is donated, and the the money goes straight into the Sierra Trek, you know, account. You know, of course, is the big money maker for Cal Four, which is a nonprofit, and that money, in terms, goes back into the trails and keeping trails open and, and so on. So, so in, in my, the history of Sierra Trek, and the first time I went to Sierra Trek, it was, it was down in Cisco Grove years ago. And it, cause they'd been up at there at Meadow Lake. And then they went down and did Cisco Grove for a few years. It's like, this is, this is Corey, this is, we were talking about here's a, here's an event. And I think California it may just be a California thing. Cause there's a lot of, Cal four wheels been involved in stuff, but I feel like sometimes, and, and, and John can kind of attest to this, that in California, there's a lot of pushback about change. And you were, um, you were talking about this with the Jeeparama. I'm sure that that occurred there too. Like the, there was pushback on change and the challenge is like, here's an event, Sierra Trek. I mean, think about what he just described, what it has, the snack bar, the band, also all these elements, these great trails. And yet it is not as big as it could be like i still think there's so much more sierra trek could double or triple its attendance and be a huge uh, back to being a huge event and it should be but i think a lot of times and and i my whether it's john or or uh, my friend amy or these others who have been chairs of this event have sometimes experienced pushback on making change and to push forward and to create uh, a better better event and yet this is an incredible event and um, it's and I'm and I hate to say it, John, but you know, being a chairman of an event is a thankless job. It takes a lot to do. I knew it was a big job uh, taking it on. I co-chaired for two years, so I, I had a good idea of what I was, you know, biting off. Um, and it was it was even more than what I thought. It it really has taken over my life, and in a positive way. I have no regrets, but it it is a huge event. I feel like I drive uh, to Sacramento three days a week because I'm visiting, you know, different off-road clubs and different things like that, looking for volunteers, looking for people to, you know, help out and do. And you can email, you can call, and you can talk. But I tell you, what what I have found that works is go sit down, order a pizza with a with an off-road club or group, and uh, a little personal communication goes a long way. And I've been doing that since uh, almost March. So it's, it's a huge. huge <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, God bless you for doing it. But so with now Corey and Jesse, they were just at Jeep Arama. We didn't really get a chance to talk about that in the intro. Um, and you kind of I mean, tell, tell us, tell us a little bit about Jeep Arama and kind of the experience we had there and what changes they'd gone through. Well, I mean, I, I, at this point I have, I have so many thoughts, um, John, because of your involvement and, and, you know, Matson and I and Jesse, we've been talking about the, uh, the maybe some of the dysfunction that that takes place in so many clubs across the country. And I think it's really important. And one of my first thoughts was these the, the more successful clubs, these clubs that have been around for a long time, it's almost like they need an event like a Sierra Track or like a like a Rubicon Springs. And, and we're lucky we have those those things out in the West. Mm-hmm. But I think that. Uh, a, a club to, I don't know, maintain its integrity and to do a good job, 
to have these big events, it's kind of what it takes to keep those clubs a tight knit group. I don't think that, I think some of these clubs that they don't really have an event, they try to put some, some meet and greets together or they go out on a trail ride every once in a while, nothing very large. I think that causes some, some separation within a club. So that said, uh, you know, going out into the middle of Kansas, Paola, Kansas, I, I didn't even know where Paola, Kansas was. We do know that it's it's right near Fort Scott, which Jesse and I have been to Kansas Rocks a number of times. I wasn't sure what to what to think of this event. We took the CTI trailer out there, and um, I, I, I yeah, shout out to to Chris Canary and Mike Starkabom uh, in Topeka Four by Four Land. Uh, this is the second year for that event, and this event is at a drive-in movie theater in the middle of not a lot. Um, there's, there's, there's just nothing there. We stayed 30 miles. Uh, it was the nearest regular, you know, chain hotel. We set up the trailer, 200 Jeeps show up to this drive-in theater in the middle of the afternoon and it's 90 degrees and it's super humid. And the people that were attending, I mean, again, I'm going to, I'm going to give a shout out to, to, uh, Midwest Crawlers Club, uh, Jason Phelps. They're going to end up changing my whole perspective on all of the negative things I typically say about most Jeep clubs, because we're we're so blessed by these guys that are engaged in improving an event, improving their club, doing things for the good of the Jeep community. And I, and I think that's so very rare. We come across so many clubs that are all about, you know, making sure that I don't know. They, they, they have thousands of followers. They want a bunch of followers. They want a bunch of social media, a bunch of social media, but they don't necessarily um, raise money for the good of the community. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't do a lot of external events. They, I get it. It's, it's sharing of information. That's why we all join a Jeep club. These guys like you, John, and, and your club and how it's evolved, you know, some of these clubs go through some real, real uh, bad dysfunctional leadership. And in order for them to realize it, recognize it, make those changes, come out the other side and realize that they need to do better. Uh, Jason at Midwest Crawlers, I was, I was blown away. I mean, he sent me a, a, some of their educational, basically their, their outline of what they, they plan to do with events and how to, how to do better to their own members, for their own members. It was, it was awesome. I mean, we ended up doing almost 40 rigs on the CTI trailer uh, at a drive-in movie theater. It was it was crazy, but I, I think it really takes engaged people. And like you said, John, trying to find people that are engaged and wanting to help, it's a thankless job. And to stand up and spend the time and invest the time and know you, you may not get a whole lot back out of it, it shows that it's it's a real passionate thing for you. And thank goodness there's a, others out there that are doing the same thing for the good of the community and are passionate about volunteering their time and, and are okay with it. volunteers always are amaze me. Absolutely amaze me. I mean, just every, every event. I mean, look at how many people volunteers for Jeepers Jamboree and that's a for-profit event, but it's the volunteers that make it, make it happen. How many volunteers do you have, John? um, When you, when you do that event, how many do you need? Uh, You know, I, uh, I honestly can't uh, an exact number. Um, I have dozens and dozens of volunteers. We have individual volunteers, and then we have a lot of clubs. A lot of the what what we try to do is get a club to host, you know, certain things like Santa Cruz Four Wheel Drive Club is is doing Windshield Four, um, as just as an example. Uh, Friends of Fort Ice is doing the Windshield Three. Crowd Crawlers is doing One and Two. Uh, Grass Valley is doing uh, Windshield Five. Um, some clubs pull, you know, double. D- you know, I have, you know, and I, and I could sit here and, and name, a, you know, a, a lot of the clubs that do work and uh, and it is a thankless job. And I thank each and every one of them. And before it's over, even some of the clubs that, you know, I've kind of neglected because I knew they were going to be there. And I, I focused my time on, you know, getting more volunteers. I've, I've made a commitment that even after Sierra Trek's over, I'm going to personally go to their meeting and thank long as I can physically get there, you know, there's some of the clubs that are a little far away from me, but I'm going to do my absolute best to, to get there and, you know, and, and shake their hands and, and, and thank them because it is, a, you know, and even on their end, you know, when they're, when they're, you know, when they're running the snack bar, when they're running the kitchen and whatnot, it's still a thankless job. They're up early. 
you know, cooking for a bunch of, you know, hungry off-roaders and whatnot. And, um, you know, I, I probably have close to 200 volunteers to pull this off. Wow. With you, Mike. And I know, and I, and I bet, and I'm sure there are those that are definitely attendees to events that are thankful of being there and they, 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 they treat everybody nicely, but you also know there's probably people that go there and they just go and they pay their fees and they're doing their event and they're going through the motions and never once stop to say thank you to the volunteers. Right. And I've always encouraged people, like, especially when we do, when we do our own skills day, it's like part of my speech is guys give, give these volunteers a thanks. They, we wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be able to do skills day it wasn't for the volunteers that are there. And I've got, you know, two dozen volunteers. You've got 200 volunteers out there making it work. That's, it's incredible. Yeah. You know, and, and, and I try to explain to people, the, the reason these events are important is the money, this, the proceeds does go back in the trail, you know, um, a little, you know, Cal four, uh, Rubicon trail foundation, those, those kind of places, they have the rock trailers, and tooling and things that we can use to fix the trails. The president of Friends of Fort Ice happens to be my ultra four partner and my best friend. And him and I, we found some some work that really needed to be done to Fort Ice. We had to haul a lot of rock in there. This was in 2020. And, um, you know, RTF loaned me a couple of their trailers. Cal Ford, you know, gave me a couple of their rock trailers. We towed them in with uh, Jeeps, trucks, Toyotas, uh, you know, everything. And I had a hundred volunteers come in for a two day, uh, event and, and haul rock in. Wow. And, uh, buddy just, you know, um, did a lot of work. We had the vice president of the Cal four wheel there. Uh, we had the president of friends of Fort ice there and we were working three different sections and, and that's what really makes a huge difference just overall in the trails. And that cost money and that cost somebody's time. And right. if it wasn't for that, we wouldn't have these trails. I guarantee you that. And um, and when you do meet those people, I can tell you you're meeting some of the finest people you'll ever sit down and uh, break bread with. So I love hey, them all. Amen. Amen. So um, so Sierra Trek, uh, what day is it? What's what's the dates this year? It's uh, the 11th through the 14th of so Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday of, uh, of August. August. All we- okay. Always the second full weekend of August. Always second weekend of August. Okay, so, and um, which always pops up. I mean, guys, it's 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 like middle of June, and and all of a sudden it's going to be Sierra Trek. Yes, <laughs> and Sierra Trek always quick, always like pops up. I'm like, oh, what are we doing this weekend? Oh, we got to go out to Sierra Trek. And it's that again. It's it's funny because you know we talk all the time, Corey, about how I'm sitting here at my desk right. doing nothing, and you guys are out of growing cross country. Sierra Trek's my own backyard. And sometimes yes. I don't make it. I mean, it's sad. It is sad. I'm like, I'm like, how much of a modern jeeper am I? I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> you know, I'm a modern sleeper, not a modern jeeper. <laughs> I gotta, I'm gonna lose. I'm gonna lose my moniker. <laughs> you've got, you've got other seats in that gladiator. Strap them in and, and head out. That's it. Take that them out. Of the... And they yeah. scream in the back. Seat. Okay, okay. I gotta know. Have you, have have any gladiators made it out, out the windshields? How does how does a gladiator do um, going up uh, the windshields? I haven't seen one personally yet. <laughs> that 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 fat ass of it, it doesn't doesn't work yeah, too well. That I overhang, think. the overhang in the rear is going to be a an so, interesting. Yeah, uh, I've been working with the forestry the last couple of years um, very closely. Um, they're great. They're they're actually the guy who runs that, Mr. Chavez. He's great to work with on the uh, on the Fort I side of things, and uh, we have done some work on the bypasses. There was some blasting. They had the spider uh, tractor up there this last year and some, some of the really bad spots that were getting um, borderline very dangerous were fixed. So hopefully uh, a gladiator can safely go through there, but I have not seen one personally yet. A lot of JKs, uh, several JLs. I've taken a lot of friends through there with those type of rigs and not got any damage whatsoever. Nice. Yeah, so maybe, maybe I will. Maybe I will. Maybe I'll just take a JK through. Maybe I'll take one of our beasts back there that are that are almost finished, like the uh, the YJ tub. What are we calling that thing? I think we're calling it the All J or something. I don't know. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, that, that'd be fun to do. So okay, all right. So now I got. I'm feeling peer pressure here. Nobody's saying anything, and yet it's putting peer pressure on myself that I got to go right, to Sierra Trek. Just looking show. at you, like, yeah, you're all just looking at me like I can feel it. No, you're you're like Corey. After all these years, it's just coming across right? the waves Come right on. at me. Come on, do it, do it, do it. 
Um, Brady. That's, that's awesome. And you know, and I and I haven't done all of Fordyce, so it might be that this might be the year that I go down there and I just do it and go with the group and uh, make we my just way need out to plan Fordyce it next year. Yeah, we so just I was do th- a better job on the schedule. Well, I'm thinking, like, if we work the schedule out right, would it be interesting to do a modern Jeeper adventure where you kind of come through, like maybe you start in Tahoe or something or um, up in Nevada side and kind of do some of that back road stuff and come down and then hit um, it hit just in time for Fordyce to do Fordyce. Yeah, with- it sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's I can- there's a lot of beauty. And there's a lot of history up there, so you're in uh, you're in the heart of gold country. Yeah, the Ponderosa Ranch. You can visit that. I mean, there's there's a there's, there's amazing so stuff much up stuff up there. Yeah. yeah. And why haven't I went? Timing. We just don't have timing down. Well, yet. we can do it. Is we do it maybe not as part of Sierra Trek, but we just do a Fordyce run where we coordinate with friends of Fordyce and or the Mad Hatters or somebody else and do a. Um, do something that takes us down through that area, see some of the old country. You know, I think we know some town. people. Yeah. We do. No, but people are too. That would be fun. So, hey, Modern Jeepers, if you're listening to this and you're interested in that kind of run, like a historic Northern California run that sees places like the Ponderosa and uh, some other trails and uh, maybe ends up going up Fordyce, would you be interested in that? Let us know. Email Corey, not me. <laughs> Email Corey Send at Medical.com. Send them. Send them. Send them. Speaking of which, sending them, you guys did a great job, Modern Jeepers, of, of, Following up on Corey's request last week about um, yeah. about the website, so some yeah, great and I'm feedback. still I'm still getting I'm still getting some uh, some some trickling in some good comments. Um, a huge shout out to our listeners to take the time and actually go to metalcloak.com and mess around with the site and go to different aspects of the site. Something that even isn't outside of you know just because you have a JK doesn't mean you can't click on some of the other links and people are doing that. And and that's been really refreshing to just get some of that feedback and go, Oh, didn't think about that. Oh, that's a good idea. So yeah, yeah keep sending them. Absolutely. Absolutely. However, if anybody, uh, you know, really is trying to tell me what products we should make or, or uh, any other, some <laughs> advice like uh, there's always those. There's always those guys. Yeah. I'm a garage inventor and I created something new and I want to share it with you. How many of those I get? <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I'm only kidding. I love all of you. Love all of you. All the great ideas out there. So um, so August uh, Sierra Trek. Um, and then you have when does registration close, John? Oh, it closes it closes when we order food, and that's about the third week in July. Okay. And what's what is what does it cost to register? Is there different levels or there's different levels. It it all depends on how many days you want to be at Sierra Trek. Okay. And John, do you limit how many rigs in registry or is it just open and you'll deal with the numbers as they come? So that's a, I guess you could say that's a bit of a controversy, but no, every run has a limit for each run, for each style of run. Uh, Ford Ice, they typically, they take, we take 50 a day per run for the all the way through run. And then uh, we do 25 for our river run. So there's 70, potentially 75. <laughs> people on the trail that are paid, you know, fully paid participants, plus our volunteers, you know, and our staff. Gotcha. So that goes true with our historical run, our UTV run, our outer limits run. There's, there's limits on all of them. And that just goes back to, you know, we have to limit it because of the amount of volunteers that we either do or, sure. you know. In time. You yeah, know, in time. Yeah. Well, you um, figure 200 of the people out there need to be fed or volunteers alone. I mean, that's, that's a lot of. Yeah. A lot of coordination. Now, um, does PG&E then do you guys meet with, and they, they've specifically cut back the flow during your event because of your event? Yes, we're in constant contact with PG&E. Um, I've been to their main uh, facility there in uh, Auburn, California, and uh, met with them before on different things. And they uh, they shut the water down to the wa- to lower the flow, and that way we can safely uh, you know cross it. Um, and guarantee that we can do it, you know, on that weekend. And they typically start reducing the flow about four or five days prior to us, you know, setting up for track. Well, that's nice. That's very nice of them to do that. Who actually is the, so you have friends of Fordyce in charge of the trail, the cleanup of the trail, but is it, is it just, how does it work? Does who actually owns the trail or who has like easement rights? Is there private property in there? Is that all forest land? What's for, for starters, friends of Fordyce, 
um, was was created to, you know, basically mitigate the uh, the adopt trail work. There's actually five different clubs that work alongside Friends of Fort Ice that that kind of have different sections of the club of the trail. My club, the Mad Hatters, we have the top of four to Windshield Five as an adopt trail. So if we don't have work to do on the trail, uh, a lot of times we'll do work. You know, we'll we'll help out in other you know locations. Tahoe National Forest owns the land for the most part. A lot of people don't realize this, but the top of Winchill 5 is on private property and there's an easement there. And that has caused a little bit of a controversy over the years when people, you know, drive off the trail or, you know, stay out of that that window there of, of the trail and the property owner gets uh, gets upset. And we have worked with him in the past doing our best to mitigate any issues we have fixed things we have blocked things off uh we brought equipment in there a few years ago and moved some big boulders in um, blocking things off um we've worked with the forest service on that so there's actually more than one piece one entity that owns the property but mainly the 99 percent of it and so since it's Tahoe National Forest, do they um, you have to get a permit with them to, to do a commercial event or in this case, the, the club event? Yes, we have to do a uh, permit to uh, TNF uh, to get that, to get the burn permits, to get the welding permits, to get the, uh, you know, we have to deal with the county on the food and the alcohol side of things. And then we deal with the Forest Service on all the different trails that we're running in there, not just Fort Ice, but Outer Limits and the SUV and UTV trails as well. So, do you have to give them do you have to give them a percentage of your revenue? Yes. Yeah, that's what we're dealing with on the Rubicon Trail what Modern Jeep Adventures is now dealing with because Tahoe National Forest is the group responsible for that side of the Rubicon Trail, the right. Tahoe the Tahoe side. So um and they've gone through Jeep or Jamborees having to do it this year and it's been a big pain for them. Um yeah. but something like 3% of of gross yes. revenue um yes. has to get paid to them for the rights to go through their trail, which is, it, I mean, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to vo- uh, verbally vocally complain because they got to do what they got to do. But, um, but it's just got, it is a kind of a pain in the ass. Um, yeah, but, but yeah, I can understand it, but it is definitely a pain, especially when you got the Rubicon trail where half of it is obviously no big deal. Colorado County, we support it. We do it. Oh, wait, you want to go into uh, the Tahoe side? Yeah. We're going to take money from you. Yeah, but um, but so but the trail itself is Tahoe National Forest doesn't do they do anything to maintain it or is is it all up to the volunteers to maintain it? They certainly give us a lot of assistance. Um, I personally have taken in some some of the forest rangers and showed them uh, areas that were damaged. Uh, They have supplied us with some supplies um, and wrote grants for us. Uh, Last year they brought they um, they wrote a grant in 2020. And last year it was fulfilled. Uh, like I said earlier, they brought in uh, that. I don't know if you've ever seen it, that special tractor. They call it the spider tractor. Mm. Um, it uh, it has four big tires on it and it has spikes on the side and, it, and they can actually walk it like a spider would. And it has a, an arm on it with different attachments and they can pick up boulders and they can, they can dig with it and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, they wrote a grant and we brought people in some blasters in and we actually blasted the bypass at Winchill 3. So um, we do get really good support from the Forest Service. I, I can't say anything bad about them. They've been there when we've needed them. We did an emergency repair, like I said, in uh, 2020. They supplied us road screen. Friends of Fort Ice and uh, Cal 4 both paid for food for our volunteers and some other supplies. So between those three, um, three entities, we had all that we needed. So um, really good. Uh, the forestry basically got us the permits that we needed to do the work and the, the clubs and the volunteers came in in, in in great support from the association and friends of Fort Ice. So. That's awesome. That's awesome. So here, think about the contrast of this. You, you were at this massive event, Corey, in a movie theater, drive-in movie theater parking lot, right? And here we got this beautiful event over here in the Sierras. And now we did take the CTI to it one year, but there's a long road that leads from Truckee area. Cause basically you drive up to the Truckee area. You take a, you, you're heading up, you take a left, you go out there and you take this long dirt road. It's a long dirt road. Some years have been better than others. Some years it's very washed out and, 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 uh, and 
you know, some years it's better. Well, the first year I went up there, I think I raced through the whole thing in my YJ. Probably shouldn't have, but <laughs> it was like, I'll take every corner as fast as I can. There's nobody around. Mm. Um, flying through in the YJ was great. But um, but with the, I think the year we took the CTI trailer out there, it was just it was just a rough road. And yet people bring RVs, right? They bring trailers out. They bring um, all kinds of camping through that road, right? Yeah, they, I see everything from Class A motorhomes, cab over campers, uh, truck pulling a, a bumper pole and fifth wheel trailers. We bring in a low boy trailer uh, to set the band up on. Uh, many trailers go down that road hauling flies, box trailers, open deck tri- trailers. Uh, we drive in a reefer truck. Um, all those things go down that road. We brought in uh, Friends of Fort Ice. A volunteer brought in a low boy trailer with a backhoe on it one year, a John Deere backhoe, uh, so we could do some work at the top of five. This year, there's a bad washout in the road. Some trailers got damaged last year, and uh, we got permission to do some gravel work on that road. And we're actually going to go in there um, at the uh, tail end of July. And um, I volunteered for that to bring in a bunch of gravel and spread. <laughs> you know, every, every once in a while, it's okay to say no, John. Keep repeating that to me, please. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we're, we're, we're doing our absolute best to make it a, a, the best event that, that we possibly can. And sometimes it's uh, it's a little tough. Yeah. Well, well, I say God bless all the work you guys are doing. It's a great event. If you guys out there in the world of the modern Jeeper want to put in another event in your cap, um, think about uh, doing Sierra Trek. Um, it's right outside of Truckee, Truckee, California, beautiful area. You know, you can do a visit Tahoe, come down to do Sierra Trek um, and uh, and just have a great, great time of it. Um, now with Corey, so you guys at Jeeperama, um, you were talking about the work that they, they did out there. How many CTIs did you do? Uh, almost 40 in three hours in yeah, a little three hours. So it's, it's funny you say that. Cause yeah, we were talking about the previous episode. Like we did, um, we did, uh, uh up at Thompson's Jeep, right? Did we did 30, like 30, 36, 30 yeah. yeah, 36, 39, whatever you guys did in that same weekend, you guys did a club event and did how many another like 40, we 40 had 47 at, at addiction in, in Oklahoma. I mean, it's a, it's a busy weekend. Mm-hmm. It's almost, it, it, whereas at, jeep beach you did like in and was it seven hours you did that amount or less (laughs) right and again because our traffic was controlled and that kind of thing but um you know john mentioned a little bit too about you know when we have volunteers around and 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 thanking people it's very interesting you know we leave jeep beach i'm not sure if i have three or four people that i really was able to to touch and and affect and and help with their rig on the trailer. We'll come away with those four rigs and and uh, those four people, and they'll maybe reach out later and say thanks. Um, we're still getting thank yous from this this drive-in movie theater. I mean, social the the social media side of it. People have been repeatedly thanking us for coming out and thanks for being there. Thanks for all you do. That goes such a long ways is to how we do things. It's it's interesting. It's very interesting to me. The this this uh perception of these big events, I get it. We've talked about it in the past. These Jeep, these these big Jeep events, while we kind of feel like we have to be there at some capacity, um, where we get to really get involved with people are through these smaller events. Mm-hmm. And building those relationships is so much different than the people we meet when there's twenty thousand people in a group. Yeah. Right, right. Well, speaking about small events, um, Tillamook is is kind of the next thing. I know we got a little bit of noise here coming from John as he's getting things set up. But, um, well, there, there was – Tillamook is our next big event, right, or next small event, and that's coming um, – We got like two, three, three weeks, I think, or something. Three weeks? Three weeks. And what's yeah. happening between now and then for you guys? <laughs> I'm going to sleep. <laughs> maybe um no we have again we uh, like the truck it, everything needs uh Clean, detailed, cleaned detailed service. serviced the gladiator is getting reworked um we're we're changing out springs on it um you know making some additions modifications uh getting ready again for it seems like every time we go out on an overlanding type trip we continue to make changes mm-hmm. in the evolution of, of what an overland trip 
looks like, what we need, what we don't need. Um, so yeah, we have we have still and an extra project <laughs> that's got to sit on hold. Right and now, now there's this big high velocity yellow JL sitting in the driveway. So right, yeah, yeah. That's we're waiting for the uh, for the wish list from you guys, which which I <laughs> actually I want you to hold off a little bit because there may be um, something that works on suspension wise that'll be much more along the lines of what you would want mm. for for your rig so um but it's gonna sit a while anyway yeah, yeah. So we, we yeah, won't be back for a month so. so it's no rush yeah you know it's uh it's been a great that's actually wonderful john appreciate you could join us and tell us about sierra track and all the good stuff and and uh i think we're gonna have a uh fantastic time for everybody out there in the world of jeeping if you get out there and check out sierra track well uh cory anything else you want to add before we wrap up this great episode I think we're good, buddy. Thanks, John. Uh, great having you on. Yes. And, and uh, yeah, I one of these days we're going to be able to make it out to Sierra Trek. So. Next year, if I have yeah, it. Next, next year. See, I got you guys all sold on it. Good. Right. All right. So uh, if anybody wants to join uh, do Sierra Trek, give that special code, Modern Jeeper, to say that you, you heard about it from Modern Jeeper. Maybe they'll give go. us a little credit. Maybe I can get a ticket for free or something. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, hey, Modern Jeepers, thank you for joining us for another great episode. And uh, we will see you on the trails. Cheers. See ya. This podcast will self-destruct in five, four, three, two, one.